Hey, greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Well, hello, Patriots. Trebo, President, United Patriot Coin. Today's story time is back in a day when our currency represented real money. What I'm holding in my hand right here is a $10 gold certificate that simply states to pay on demand $10 in gold coin. To make that simple, this was real money and this was a receipt representing real money. Fast forward to today, fiat currency, backed by the government's promise to pay. <laughs> Let you understand that, right? If it was still backed by gold, this one coin would get you 220 gallons of gas at $5 a gallon. I don't have to tell you that that would only get you two gallons of gas. You figure out what's going to get you further. Hard money, fiat currency. As always, stay safe, be prepared. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome to Steadfast and Law Podcast. You know, what's going on here in Texas is, is quite interesting. It has an effect across the entire United States of America. When you look at our border and how wide open it is. When you look at, we could not get any legislation passed in this last legislative session that dealt with school choice, legislation that would have prevented China from buying up farmland or any land here in the great state of Texas. And there are several other issues that are very disconcerting. So we are seeing record numbers of Republican challenges that are to our Texas State House members. I believe the number is up to 51. And we're joined today by one of those individuals that's going to be challenging a sitting incumbent in the Texas State House, and that's Dale Hulse. Dale is an Air Force veteran and a former military contractor, which means he's really smart. I, I, I couldn't make the IQ test of the Air Force. Dale recently retired from NASA, what did I tell you, where he worked for 20-plus years at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. Dale first became politically active in Texas in the Tea Party movement back in 2009 and has remained very active in the Republican Party and the Texas conservative movement. He served as a Republican Party precinct chair and election judge for 10 years in Harris County. He has been a past president of the Clear Lake Tea Party and the Clear Lake Area Republicans. He has written border security legislation, SB 1252 and 85th, and SB 1257 for the 87th regular sessions. And he has spent 13 years as a border, border volunteer in order to provide firsthand accounts to the Texas State Board of the Texas State Border situation. 
to Texas grassroots organizations. Dale, thanks for joining us here. Thank you, sir. All right, so you have stepped up. You're going to be running in House District Number One against the incumbent Gary Vandeveer. Where is that area, House District Number One, here in the state of Texas? Well, we're as far north and as far east as you can get in Texas. Uh -huh. We're up there in uh, Bowie County, uh, where Texarkana is. Yep. Uh, we go two counties to the uh, west, which is a uh, Red River County and Lamar County. Mm -hmm. And then we go two counties on the south, which is Morris and Cass County. Mm -hmm. So we're very rural. There's not really, Texarkana is the big city yeah. there, you know, and that's just the way we like it. Yeah. <laughs> nice and small. I came from Houston when I retired from NASA and mm -hmm. went up there. That's my retirement home, where I want to stay, where I want to live, where I want to die. And that's, uh, we like it just fine up there. But we have issues. And uh, we don't think that they've been adequately addressed. Well, let's talk about that. You know, when you, because obviously something stirred you in your soul to say that you know I'm going to raise my right hand again, like I did when I joined the Air Force, and I'm going to seek to uh, you know replace an incumbent member of the Texas State House. So, what were the let's say top two, maybe three issues that you see that are causing you the most concern? Well, for me, it's a smorgasbord of. Things I've been in uh, Texas grassroots for uh, since 2009. Mm -hmm. I've been working hard uh, trying to advance our liberty agenda. I've been working with Joanne Fleming yes. and many other grassroots organizations. I, uh, my wife, about a dozen years ago, tried to run for a state rep. She was not successful, but she did join the Texas Voter Volunteers, mm -hmm. and uh, she come back all excited, telling me all about it. And I'm like, honey, that's dangerous. She yeah. Goes, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. So I joined too, just to go watch her back. Yeah. But it became a cause for me. And border security has been one of the things that I've been working on ever since Governor Perry was in office. Mm -hmm. uh, Joanna and I would uh, work with him or tried to work with him, tried to get him to be more proactive. And then when he left office and Governor Abbott came in, we kept doing the same thing. In fact, the border security bill that was just passed uh, in the regular session for border, uh, interstate compact for border security, mm -hmm. I wrote the original one in 2015, and it was a comprehensive border uh, interstate compact. They dumbed it down and made it into a study, like they always do. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's not solve the problem, let's study the problem. Well, we can see what happens on the border all day long. The number one issue I get when I go knocking on doors is people go in there, they're worried about the border. They don't want us to stop the invasion anymore. They already know the invasion's already happened. Yeah. They're just waiting for the sword to fall. Yeah. They want us to, they, they're, they're, and they're, I went up to, I went up to Congress about a month ago to lobby with FAIR about border security. You know, this was when the, the government. Federation for American Immigration Reform. Yes, sir. Yep. And uh, they were looking to see if we could get our congressmen to tie border security to extending the government funding. We were so disappointed because not a one of them said they wanted to do that. They said that they wanted to, uh, they wanted to keep the issue going, they, uh, that it would elect more Republicans, and then they could do more for us. Not solve the issue. Not solve the issue. So I, I left Washington discouraged knowing that we have to fix this problem right here in Texas. Yeah. You know, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be us. Well, that's one of the things that when you read the Constitution, the federal government is supposed to guarantee to every state and union to protect them from invasion. And when they fail to do that, which is what we see, it's not about pointing the fingers at the federal government. The Constitution is very clear about what states can do if actually invaded when there is uh, imminent danger without any admit or delay. 
What do you think is the problem here in the state, state of Texas where, yeah, I mean, we're pointing fingers at Washington, D.C., but we're putting illegals on buses and sending them all over the place, and we're still allowing them to come into the state of Texas. I believe it's a, a lack of fortitude in our leadership. Um, I mean, the Border Patrol wasn't even uh, organized until like 1928. Mm -hmm. Texas took care of its borders since before it was Texas United Rangers. States. Yes, before we, when we were our own country, we took yep. care of our borders. Yep. We've always taken care of our mm -hmm. borders. It's just in modern times that we have bought into the, the notion that the federal government is all-encompassing and all-powerful. It's not that way. The federal government is given immigration, authority over immigration in the Constitution, not over border security. Mm -hmm. That was always a given that that was on us. And we, we have not exercised that well in the, the last 50 or 60 years. You know, um, I think the best time we were, the last time we actually did any of that was under the Eisenhower administration mm -hmm. when he uh, said, okay, let's round up these uh, people here in our country illegally and ship them back over. We have fallen into the trap that the government knows best, federal government knows best. And mm -hmm. we just haven't had leaders that want to attack, you know, uh, the, the uh, status quo, if you will, of uh, border security. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how many thousands of our people die because of fentanyl poisoning, mm -hmm. no matter how much crime is raised by undesirables coming across our border, no matter how much a burden it puts on our education and our medical systems, mm -hmm. because we have so many people who can't even speak the language or contribute in a significant way to our country. You know, we at one time, we, when Ellis Island came about, those people were asked to not uh, be part of our uh, welfare system. That's still on the law today, yeah. yet we just ignore that completely. We, our, our border security is a lawless state of our federal government. Okay, right so number one thing for you is the border security, yes. which is so important because it undermines our overall state sovereignty and our national sovereignty. What's issue number two? Well, the issue number two is uh, our government's out of control in Austin. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk about the federal government, and Lord knows I could spend an hour with that. Yeah. But it's just as bad in Austin. Austin is a, a weaker reflection of the uh, D.C. swamp. Uh, when, uh, when Gary Van Dever the uh, state rep I'm running against, first came into office 10 years ago. Our, our state budget was $106 billion for the biennium. This year, they passed a uh, state budget for $313 billion. Mm. That's an increase of $207 billion yeah. in 10 years. Yeah. They tripled our budget. That is not Republican. That is not fiscally conservative. We've got to go draw a line and say, oh, no more. We are going... Over 11,000 pieces of legislation were filed in the regular session. Of that, only less than 200 were filed to reduce government or pull back on spending. That is, that is something that has to change. You know, I, I'd like to know, because everyone talks about Texas has a $32 billion surplus. But then when it came to the onerous property tax relief, you know, Austin basically said, well, we'll give you some crumbs from the table. Here's $12 billion back. Mm -hmm. uh, Anytime you have a surplus, that's not the government's money. That's, that's our money. How do people in House District Number 1 feel about property tax relief here in the state of Texas? Well, number one, they want it gone. Number two is they don't feel like they got enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we, in my district, the one I hope to represent, we are land rich and money poor. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our, our great wealth is in our land, mm -hmm. our farmland, our ranch lands 
our natural resources out there. And uh, that's what we're taxed on. It's like a, our property tax are like a wealth tax yeah. To, yeah. to rural Texas. So it, it doesn't really help us at all. We have people coming in from outside our district that are buying an acre of land for twelve, fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars an acre. And I sat in county commissioner courts and they go, My gosh, the land's only worth four or five thousand dollars. But they can but, afford to do but it. But they can afford to do it. What that does is it drives everybody's property tax up. Oh. And we're now pricing longtime generational residents out of their own properties because they can't afford the property tax. Do you have a lot of people that are losing their farms and losing yes. their ranches? Yes. In fact, I talked to a, a family up in Lamar County. They uh, owned a dairy, uh, Star Farms Dairy. Mm-hmm. And they, I talked to the gentleman who owned it. He goes, I'm going to have to sell next year. I can't afford to run my dairy, a small dairy like this, because of the regulations, because of the taxes, because we get no relief. If we were a, a, a special interest group, we might get some federal funding or some mm-hmm. state uh, help, but we get nothing. So he goes, we got to sell it. I go, well, if you don't mind me asking, who are you selling it to? And he goes, well, I know you ain't going to like to hear this, but we're selling to the solar farm people <laughs> because they're the ones who are mm-hmm. buying up all the land out there. Mm-hmm. They have this, And they're subsidized. Yes, and they have this massive solar farm out there. And that's not the only thing. Like I say, we're land rich and uh, money poor. They're going after our resources, our land, not for our benefit, but for Dallas benefit. You know, um, they're looking at the Marvin Nichols Reservoir, Mm -hmm. which will basically destroy, take away Red River uh, County Mm -hmm. um, and plus all the mitigation that goes along with having a reservoir built there for Dallas. They're looking at 90 percent to Dallas and 10 percent to us out of that reservoir. There's also another thing going on there with a wind farm project that is looking in Lamar County, Red River, and Fannin County. Between, I, I'm not against wind power. I'm not against drinking water. I'm not against solar energy. But when you put massive props, projects like that all into a poor rural district, which basically is going to eat up vast chunks of where we are, I have a problem with that. Sure. And, and I, want to, I want to go out there and protect them. That's why I go to city council meetings. I go to commissioner courts. I go out everywhere I can to hear and listen and learn what our problems are. And we're finding out these things. I've learned so much since April when I first started running. I never had a clue on what was going on. You know, you'd see these solar farms pop up next to the expressway and such. And you go, hmm, now I know why. It's all part of a bigger, bigger plan. Yeah. And it's something that nobody is, there's no champions for the people. Yeah. In, in rural Texas. Well, I will tell you that he, here in Texas, we, I don't think, have forgotten a couple of winters ago mm-hmm. when we had this over-reliance on wind and solar, and we had that uh, Arctic blast that came down through this state, and it shut down Oh yeah, all of the quote-unquote renewables, and we found that they could not meet the output that uh, they were required to do. And, of course, we had no, no backups. Uh, the natural gas was not ready. We're shutting down all the coal fire plants, and we have an abundance of coal here. So are you concerned, you keep bringing up Dallas, and I live here in the Dallas metroplex. Are you concerned about Texas becoming so centric on these major urban population centers? You've seen the growth of Houston, Harris County, Dallas, and uh, Dallas County, uh, Austin, Travis County, San Antonio, Bear County, you know, Tarrant County is, is growing big. And mm-hmm. Now it's starting to extend west into Parker County. Do you get the sense that the rural counties, 
because there are 254 yeah. counties in the state of right. Texas, I know, but maybe it's like that top six or seven are dictating the policies for the rest of the state? Absolutely. Let me put a little bit in perspective. My county, mm -hmm. Bowie County right now, we have 440 precinct chairs, Republican precinct chairs. In Harris County, where I came from, we had 1,064 precinct chairs. That's a big difference. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, even on a good day, we get 400 precinct chairs in a meeting. That's still vastly over um, extends of what we're looking at in rural Texas. Uh, our current congressman, I mean, excuse me, our current representative, he got $54,000 from the speaker in the last campaign cycle. That's not helping a fellow incumbent win his race. That's buying a vote. Yeah. And the speaker and uh, Gary Van Dever votes with the Speaker of the House right down the line, 100%. There's no dissent between them. In fact, he's one of his biggest supporters. Because of hit that support, Van Dever supports uh, Democratic chairs mm -hmm. in the Republican-controlled House. He uh, voted to impeach Ken Paxton as a loyalty test. And uh, he's just simply not doing uh, addressing any of Texas uh, Republican priorities that we, we name in our conventions. Yes. So that's a, that's a big problem with that. And I look at it just, and one of the ideas I have is, I think maybe it's time for Texas to start looking at a um, sort of a electoral college when it comes to state amendments in Texas, where maybe three-fifths of the county, in addition to the popular vote, have to agree to an amendment mm -hmm. before it goes in our Constitution. Because... All you need is five cities in Texas to get anything you want yeah. in the Texas yeah. Constitution. We have no voice out there in, in the farms and the ranches out there. We ha we have a ton of people, but we are we are not concentrated. We don't have the the, the money resources that the oh, big yeah. cities yeah. have. We don't have the organizations that they have. You know, like I, I was telling uh, you earlier that you know. When I was out block walking, it's not really block walking where I come yeah, from. It's yeah. county road walking. Yeah. You know, and it's like. And you oh, can walk a long ways on those county <laughs> you roads. You drive for a mile, mile that's and a right. half to the next house. Yeah. You know, so it takes a long time to do that. But that's what we do. You know, but we, ha we have a right to have our voice heard as well as anybody else. I mean, if I was to be blessed with a, a victory and uh, could be able to represent the people at House District 1, when I go in there, I'm not going to be told to shut up. I'm not going to be said, you're a freshman. I'll look them right in the eye and say, uh, I may be here for the first time, but my house district is not a freshman district, yeah. and they deserve the representation anybody would get. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I'm coming from. So the election is first Tuesday in March of 2024. That's around the corner. Yes, sir. When you really think about it, because most people are going to kind of mentally shut off, you know, over the Christmas and New Year's season. Uh, then you come back January the 4th. Then early voting starts like 19 February. Uh, 20th. 20th of February. Mm -hmm. uh, one day off. That's not bad for an right. Army guy. Those Air Force guys. They got to be dealing. But, okay, so 20th February. And then that's it. Yes. What's your pathway to victory? Okay. I started this race against Van Dever. 200000 to nothing. OK, he had two hundred thousand dollars in the bank from his last campaign. Mm -hmm. I, I put in my first thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars to get my campaign started. I'm never going to outspend him. Mm -hmm. We just had a guy jump in at the end of the filing period, a local businessman down in Cass County. And he put fifty thousand dollars in front on top of seventy thousand he already had in, in a filing. And uh, he's looking to spend two hundred fifty thousand. 
I'm not going to be able to match that money. So I'm not. I'm going to go and do what I need to do to win over votes. Because money doesn't vote. People vote. People vote. And getting out, and we've got the only ground game, political ground game, in the district. We've gone to five different counties now, block walking. I've got volunteers out there. They wear my little shirts with holes on the mm -hmm. thing. And I go out there and bang on doors with them. And uh, we've, we've knocked on 1,500 doors so far. But uh, that's a significant chunk. We hope to be, by February 20th, to have knocked 5,000. So getting that out there. We get in social media. I get on the local uh, radio stations. It's getting the message out. And the message is strong. You know, once we get to talk to people, once they understand what their representation has been like, they, they come over. Out of the 1,500 doors we've knocked, my campaign manager, uh, another new person to yeah. the political field, uh, she's wonderful, by the way, Holly Parker, um, she estimates that the responses we've got from people that answered their doors that Van Deaver is getting about a 2% support rate. That's, I have to stop myself and go, Lord, am I being too arrogant to think this? You know, yeah. you know, please don't mislead me. Don't let me be. Let, please keep me humble. It's always you know? the fourth quarter. And you're down by two it, touchdowns. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, and then we got a new player who just jumped in at the last minute yeah. of the filing period. So our plan is to outwork them. You yeah. know, uh, we, we've got our signs going up. We've been working. We've been working since May, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. we're starting to get buzz. You know, when we first started, nobody heard of me, and rightly so. You know, I, I stayed involved in the uh, local uh, Bowie County Patriots group, mm -hmm. and uh, I worked, tried to work with Van Dever, um, but I wasn't well known. And now we're becoming better known throughout the whole district now just because we worked so hard, and that's, that's the key. You know, I may be outspent, I may lose, but I will not be outworked. I will do what I can to the last day, to my last breath, to go do what I have to do. That's the key. Is is your your spirit and and the grassroots, you know, focus to get out there and like you say, not get out work. Okay, the last question, and and I told you before we started, there'll be a tough last question. When you look at the camera, and I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look at the camera, and I want you to tell not just the people in Texas, but the people across the United States of America that are going to watch this podcast, why this Texas State House District uh, and your race is so important. Not just for Texas, but for America. So why? You know, I moved up to Northeast Texas, out of, from Houston, to live my, the rest of my life and uh, enjoy my retirement, live with my wife, my three German Shepherds, uh, and work my property. I, I've always been involved, in, well, in the last 15 years, I've been involved in Texas politics at a grassroots level. I've always advocated for our principles and our values, and uh, the work has not bothered me. I, I, I managed to do a career plus my activism. When I retired in December, I kept looking around for somebody to take on Van Dever and do what must be done in Austin, because the Texas House has been blocking Texas from realizing its greatness. You know, the Texas myth that everybody talks about, I go, I go overseas and talk about Texas, and people automatically go, oh, my God, you live in the best place in the world. And a lot of that is a myth because we have a Texas House under control of Democrats that are being locked into uh, special interest, and they're not doing what the people want them to do. So I'm running to help do that. We had, a, we had one of the best border security bills 
that I've ever seen any legislature ever put together, uh, HB 20 by Matt Schaefer. And uh, we came within the final vote in the Texas House of passing that. On the final vote, a Democrat stood up and said, Mr. Speaker, point of order. We think that if we pass this bill, it's the same as declaring war on Mexico. Well, forget the fact that it looks like Mexico has already declared war on us. The speaker turned to his parliamentarian and asked him, and he said, yes, you're right. We sustain that. And they killed that legislation. Six Republicans tried to petition to overturn the speaker's ruling. If they'd had 10 Republicans, they would have been able to force a vote. We were just four Republicans short of forcing that. If we passed that bill, it would have passed uh, on final vote. It would have passed in the Senate. We would be in a lot different place than where we are today. And that affects not just Texas, not just our southern border Texas, but all of Texas and all the United States because we have a massive wave migration coming through our southern border that is legal. That is something that I want to go. We don't need another Republican down in Texas House. We don't need just another quote-unquote conservative. We need Spartans that will go down there and stand in the gap and challenge on the House floor without fear of retribution and do the right thing for Texas. That's why I'm running. That's why it's important to Texas. That's why it's important to America. And let me just add in that the parliamentarian for the Texas State House is an Obama uh, supporter. He's a Democrat. And that was the person that allowed that ruling to come about. Gary, where, uh, not Gary, uh, Dale, because Gary Van Dever is the guy he's ran against. <laughs> Dale, where can people follow you and how can people learn more about your campaign? Well, they can follow me on holesinthehouse.com. Uh, that's my website. I'm on Facebook. I post regularly on there about what our activities are. That's also Holes in the House on uh, Facebook and Texas Dale on Twitter. Or well, I guess it's X now. So uh, <laughs> that's where you can find me or you can call me. I'm at 281-658-9480. I talk to anybody who calls. If you want to talk about politics, if you want to talk about where we need to go, if you have a good idea, let me know. I reach out to everybody. It's it's hard running in a rural district. Uh, Fundraising is just not there. So we do with what we got, with what we got. And we, we trust in the good Lord to give us what we need. And uh, we're going to go for it. And I think out of all the three candidates, I think our, our campaign is posi best positioned right now to take it home in uh, March. Well, Dale, I want to thank you. And you have my full support and my endorsement. And please, you know, put that out there on whatever uh, platforms you have, because we need you. And the Texas State House, as you just articulated, is so important, not just for the state of Texas, but for the United States right. of America. And we've got to, that myth that is out there. We got to make it truth. Absolutely. Once again. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast. Thank you so much, Dale, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. If you like this podcast, please click that like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.